0: on Local Now, Channel 525.
1: NATO's Secretary General makes a surprise visit to Ukraine. Ukraine's
2: rightful place is in NATO.
1: House Republicans pass a bill to ban trans athletes from girls' sports.
3: There's so much support, which shows me that we are the overwhelming majority.
1: Many Americans now turn to buy now, pay later apps. To make ends meet,
0: buy now, pay later apps, pay for necessities like their groceries, but it's sending them into a deep hole of debt.
1: This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, April 21st. I'm Mike Scott. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg made a surprise visit to Ukraine on Thursday, reiterating NATO's support for the embattled country and proclaiming that Ukraine should be part of that alliance.
2: NATO stands with Ukraine. We stood by you after Russia's illegal annexation of Crimea in 2014. We stand by you today in your heroic uh, fight against uh, the Russian invaders and in defense of your country. And we will stand by you tomorrow as you rebuild and work toward a brighter future for the Ukrainian people.
1: Stoltenberg also announced a multi-year deal that would bring Ukraine's military up to NATO's standards. Let me be clear.
2: Ukraine's rightful place is in the Euro Atlantic family. Ukraine's rightful place is in NATO. And over time, our support will help you make this possible. Today, the President and I discussed a multi-year support initiative. This will help you transition from Soviet era equipment and doctrines to NATO standards and ensure full interoperability with the alliance.
1: Meantime, Volodymyr Zelensky says that Kyiv is doing everything it can to bolster Ukraine's defenses against Russian strikes as expectations mount over the timing of Ukraine's much awaited counteroffensive. Paul Rykoff is a national security expert and explains that what we're seeing is the ramp up to a Ukrainian spring offensive. I think what
4: everything is, is coming together around is, is the spring offensive. This is like, I, I never want to make a comparison to sports, but this is like the massive pregame buildup. You've got both sides putting all pieces in place. You've got Zelensky making a visit to his troops on the front line. You've got Putin doing the same. You've got NATO pouring in uh, leadership into the region. Uh, you've got our Secretary of Defense making a visit. You've got our ammunition and our weapons on the way. And it's all culminating in what looks like a spring offensive that could really change the tide of the war. They've been stalemated in Bach mood for a long time now and the spring offensive has been talked about for months i've been talking about it on your air for weeks and now it looks like it's finally coming and all this is building to that moment where ukraine could turn the tide of this war and finally go on offense for the first time really in a year
1: Rykov believes it's long past due that ukraine is admitted to nato I
4: think they should have done it a long time ago. I mean, I think that Ukraine has proven they can be a valuable asset to NATO. Uh, militarily, they've got now the most battle-tested military on the planet. Uh, they're a motivated, dedicated ally, and I think they'd be a, an obvious addition to NATO. Whatever bureaucracy is in the way uh, seems to be slowing down the aid and, and political support that Ukraine needs in this moment. So I'm all in on, on them joining NATO, and, and I wish it would have happened already. So I think uh, whatever bureaucratic hurdles are in the way should be blown out of that way so that these guys can, can get to down to business and and try to win this war that's really about the West and, and about freedom and about all of NATO's interests.
1: Yuri Sok, advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Defense, is thankful to the U.S. and NATO for their continued support, but hopes the bureaucracies move out of the way so they can get weapons to his country much faster.
5: I'd like to start by saying thank you to the American people and the American government for for the support that they, we've received so far. And uh, just yesterday, a new package was announced for $325 million. Uh That will be very helpful on the front lines, because as you know, we are preparing for our counteroffensive. Um, and, of course, uh, there are still certain things on our uh, wish list, if you like, which we uh, have not received and we hope to receive. Uh, they include, for example, long-range missiles. Uh, they include uh, fighter jets, F-16s. Uh, and, uh, of course, we need more uh, air defense systems. And actually, you know, you were just showing uh, in Stoltenberg, who is in Kiev now, and It's interesting to see that all our allies keep saying that we will give Ukraine everything that you need to win. So what is stopping you guys from giving everything we need to win? We know what we need to win. We need F-16s because they are an inseparable instrumental part of of any country's air defense system, fighter jets,
1: right? Sock hints that the Ukrainian counteroffensive will begin soon, but will not say what they are planning.
5: Contrary to the popular belief, it's not a, a military operation that begins at the blow of a whistle, sure. and everybody knows that it has begun. In some parts of the front line, you know, certain actions are already beginning to happen and have been happening for the last months, for example, and these are all preparatory moves. So, you know, and we will never disclose our plans uh, so that the enemy knows and, you know, it, we will never expose our armed forces to these vulnerabilities. So, uh, in essence, we are accumulating uh, weapons we are receiving from our uh, allies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Weather conditions have been a factor, now they are changing, Mm -hmm. and uh, we are confident that, uh, you know, uh, we will liberate our lands sooner or later, but we also have to manage expectations. This is not uh, an Olympic Games uh, uh, tournament, right? This is a very difficult war against an, an enemy who is becoming smarter. They have changed over the last 14 months. This means that we have to respond quickly to the dynamic situation on the front lines. And, you know, very often plans change even one uh, day before the actual operations are carried out.
1: Factors believed to have delayed the launch of the counteroffensive include weather as Ukraine is emerging from its seasonal muddy period and the wait for more Western supplies, weapons and equipment. In North Carolina, the suspect accused of shooting a six-year-old neighbor and her parents, Robert Singletary, was apprehended and is now in police custody. According to reports, Singletary shot the family after a basketball rolled into his yard. This new shooting incident comes on the heels of a couple of other cases last week in which young people were shot after making common mistakes. Two cheerleaders were shot after mistakenly approaching the wrong car. A 16-year-old was shot when he rang the doorbell at the wrong home looking for help. And a 20-year-old was also shot after turning into the wrong driveway. All of these strange incidents have left many Americans wondering, just what is going on? Jim Clemente is a retired FBI profiler and says that these events are indicative of a sort of national PTSD.
6: I believe this, that people act to their extremes when they're stressed. And I think the fact that this crosses all sorts of racial, racial and economic and social backgrounds, I think it, it is indicative of mass anxiety and mass PTSD. Because of the pandemic, the economic crisis, the riots and demonstrations of 2020, all these things are cumulative, and I think they have now caused people in the United States to be so extremely elevated in terms of anxiety and stress that it's so easy to get them over over the hump of committing violent acts. Jesse Weber
1: of the Law and Crime Network says that looking at all of these cases, as an attorney, he'd find a tough time defending the actions of the accused.
7: Let's be very clear. All of these cases are very, very bad. I was struggling to find justification in each one of them. Out of all of them, though, I will point out the one in Missouri. This is the Ralph Yarl situation. Okay? This is the
0: young teenager who went to pick up his twin brothers, went to the wrong door, knocked on the door, and waited. Correct. And was shot through
7: the storm door. By an elderly gentleman. And here's the interesting thing about that. So the argument I would frame, if I was his defense attorney, would say this is late at night. He's an older gentleman. There was somebody on his property. You can argue whether or not it's his home, it's his porch. There was a portion where his hand, the Mr. Yarl's hand, was on a portion of his property. Now the, that could no words were exchanged. You could say he maybe was in fear of his life. I think it's a stretch because here's the other way of looking at it. He fires not once, he fires twice, including once when he's on the ground, and right. then makes a comment right afterwards, allegedly saying, Don't come back here. That would be a set sign. How much were you in fear of your life? The reason I'm picking that case. Is because the other ones, shooting two cheerleaders while they exited your car. After a, they've gotten out of your car. After they got out of the car, shooting a six-year-old, opening fire uh, for, for, for what reason in the upstate New York when somebody is in your driveway and turning around? I'm having struggled justifying any of those. That's the only case I think there could be an argument because there is a stand-your-ground law in place there.
1: Clemente says that an important step that Americans can take to turn down the pressure is to form relationships
6: with people we don't necessarily agree with. We need to start listening to people who have different viewpoints. We need to build rapport with people. We need to get these people de-stressed so that they're not going to act as extremely as we've seen them act right now.
1: Singletary, a black man, was charged in December with assault and kidnapping for allegedly attacking his girlfriend with a sledgehammer and keeping her inside of his apartment for over two hours. Singletary was released on a $250,000 bond on December 15. (music) On Thursday, House Republicans passed a bill that bans transgender women and girls from participating in female athletic programs. For months, the issue of transgender women in girls' sports has primarily been circulating around state legislatures. Now, the issue is being moved to the national stage.
7: On this vote, the yeas are
1: 219, the nays are 203. The bill is passed without objection. The Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act passed in a party line 219 to 203 vote. However, many political experts say that the initiative is likely to die in a Democrat-controlled Senate. The White House responded to the bill's passage by saying the Biden administration stands with the LGBTQ community
3: but we've been very clear that the administration is committed to protecting LGBTQI plus kids at school. Uh, that's why uh, last year the Department of Education proposed a rule to clarify that LGBTQI plus kids have fundamental civil rights protections against discrimination in our nation's schools.
1: The bill would amend Title IX, the federal civil rights law prohibiting sex-based discrimination in education, recognizing sex as that which is based solely on a person's reproductive biology and genetics at birth it would not however block transgender women and girls from training or practicing with female athletic programs riley Gaines, an all-american swimmer who has made headlines for her stance that only biological women should participate in women's sports joined the salem radio network and says that organizations like the ncaa are at fault for the position female athletes now find themselves in
3: they like to deem thomas as a courageous brave woman how one is leah thomas courageous or brave i think leah thomas is a coward yes i think Leah is selfish and showed utter disregard towards women towards our privacy towards our safety towards our feelings our fairness our opportunities there was no regard for that yet They expect us to be kind to them and be respectful to them. To me, respect is something that's earned. Um, Leah Thomas did not earn my respect by any means. And so I wanted to add the piece in there about the NCAA being responsible because, you know, and, and I do think Leah Thomas is selfish. I think Leah Thomas, like I mentioned, had no regard for us as female athletes. But it's not Thomas's fault. Thomas was following the guidelines that the NCAA put in place, and so I think it's crucial to acknowledge that the NCAA is at fault here.
1: Seeing the legislation passed through the House, Gaines believes that the tides will turn in favor of biological women.
3: Obviously, we know there are very few things in politics that people can agree on, but this is something, you know, denying man and woman. We can't even define what a woman is. These liberals who... Of course, we'll die on this hill of, of being able to define a woman. They see what's at stake here. Um, they see how they're trying to eradicate women um, at the systemic level. And so I have had an overwhelming amount of support from female athletes, from parents, from medical professionals, from coaches, people within the NCAA. There's so much support, which shows me that we are the overwhelming majority in this in this topic, which begs the question, okay, then why are we catering to the minority? Why are we sacrificing 51% of the population at the expense of half a percent of the population? I don't know the exact statistic, but I can't imagine the trans community makes up more than half a percent of the population. So why are we catering to this? And it's because, that we thought this would be a one-off instance, um, but people are realizing it's not and they see the propaganda being pushed and they're becoming more bold, they're becoming louder and they're starting to use their voices more and I really truthfully believe that the tides are about to turn.
1: Gaines points the finger once again at the NCAA and claims that they simply don't want to deal with the trans issue. And we'll leave it to other sports organizations.
3: The NCAA claims there are only 34 trans athletes in the NCAA, but that could not be further from the truth. Um, There are so many athletes. I actually just watched a diving championship, a conference championship where a male was diving against all women. Um, I know of about 10 lacrosse men who are playing on the women's team off the top of my head. But the NCAA, they're essentially in a phasing out approach. What they want is they want no accountability. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to be the ones responsible for anything. So what they're trying to do is phase out and leave it up to sports-specific organizations like World Athletics, who has just now said that um, if you've gone through puberty as a male, you will not compete with the women. So they're, they're looking to phase out the NCAA. Is.
1: In the last 12 months, 21 states have enacted laws or policies that prevent transgender athletes from participating on sports teams consistent with their gender identity and more than 40 such bills have been introduced in state legislatures across the country this year. Some LGBTQ rights groups have broadly condemned the GOP's Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. They say it discriminates against transgender people. The stubborn inflation many Americans are still experiencing has led many families to look at imaginative ways to try and make ends meet. Many U.S. homes are now using a credit system known as Buy Now, Pay Later in order to buy necessities like groceries. Buy Now, Pay Later essentially works as a personal loan. Your payments are split into equal installments over a period of time. However, just like credit cards, if payments are missed or are late, massive fees can accumulate quickly, forcing the family into a bigger hole of debt. During the pandemic, buy now, pay later apps took off as an industry, but now, in the era of high inflation, business for the apps is booming. Kelsey Kernstein explains the rise of these buy now, Pay later apps.
0: A dozen of eggs cost $4 on average, which for some that can send a grocery bill over the limit. So Americans are now using this buy now pay later apps, which were once very big for purchases like electronics and furniture, to now pay for necessities like their groceries. But it's sending them into a deep hole of debt. Buy now pay later apps like Affirm, Afterpay, and PayPal allow for more flexibility. Consumers have the option to quickly open an account without any impact on their credit score and then pay for goods in installments over the course of several weeks or months.
1: Kernstein says that nearly 20% of shoppers now use these apps to pay for groceries.
0: Now the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that grocery prices have gone up by 8.4% this past year. And now one in five shoppers rely on these apps to buy groceries. That's 20 percent. Now 27 percent of shoppers use the loans to get from paycheck to paycheck. Peter Dunn, the CEO of Your Money Line, says that Americans want instant gratification and they use Buy Now, Pay Later apps to make a purchase they can't afford.
1: While financial experts say that using BNPL apps for groceries and other items can be risky, The Americans who do use them are more worried about putting food on their plate and not the long-term risk. Anyone in the U.S. who has had a Facebook account at any time since May 24th of 2007 can now apply for their share of a $725 million privacy settlement that parent company Meta has agreed to pay. We get more on how you can get your share of the payout from our Daybreak Insider, Jeremy House.
4: Meta is paying to settle a lawsuit alleging the world's largest social media platform allowed millions of its users' personal information to be fed to Cambridge Analytica. It's not clear how much money individual users will receive. To apply for the settlement, users can fill out a form and submit it online or print it out and mail it.
1: For actor Alec Baldwin say prosecutors will drop an involuntary manslaughter charge against him over the shooting death of a cinematographer outside Santa Fe, New Mexico in 2021. We get more on this from our Daybreak Insider Entertainment correspondent Margie Zaraleta. Alec
3: Baldwin's attorneys have issued a statement saying they are pleased with the decision to dismiss the case against their client. Prosecutors did not immediately comment on the case. It's unclear whether charges could be refiled. In 2021, Baldwin pointed a gun at cinematographer Helena Hutchins during a rehearsal for the movie Rust when the gun went off and killed her. Weapons supervisor Hannah Gutierrez-Reed also was charged with involuntary manslaughter. Her lawyers say they expect Gutierrez-Reed to be exonerated as well. I'm Archie Zaroletta.
1: And finally, Five, four, three. the most powerful rocket ever built. SpaceX's Starship took off yesterday in South Texas, and while things looked good at first, after two and a half minutes, the rocket exploded. The SpaceX ground crew were undeterred by the explosion and are ready to build the next rocket.
7: Well, if you're just joining us, Starship just experienced what we call a rapid unscheduled disassembly or a RUD during ascent. But now, this was a development test. This is the first test flight of Starship, and the goal was to gather the data. And as we said, clear the pad and get ready to go again. So you never know
1: exactly what's going to happen. But as we promised, excitement is guaranteed. Jordan Bim is a historian of space travel from the University of Chicago and explains the differences between agencies like NASA and SpaceX.
8: Well, Neil Armstrong wasn't uh, the driver of progress at NASA, of course. It was the teams of engineers and leadership at NASA, which, of course, was founded under uh, President Dwight Eisenhower back in 1958 to take on the Soviet Union in the space race. Things are different now. We don't have the sort of sense of national urgency driving our space program that there was back in the 1960s during the space race. We are now in an age of transition between the large national uh, agencies left over from the Cold War towards these smaller private companies like SpaceX that are willing to take more risks when it comes to research and development, which is what we saw today. We saw a different design philosophy. Uh, Last year, in November, we saw NASA successfully launch its Space Launch System, uh, a rocket it developed on a very slow, very careful design philosophy called linear design. Uh, What we saw today was an example of iterative design, when you're willing to take risks along the way and learn from those failures. Uh, So these are two very different approaches to doing space uh, but each one has its value. What we're seeing is public-private partnerships and, of course, NASA's return to the moon will involve SpaceX. The starship that we saw today will be made into a variant called the Human Landing System that will carry NASA astronauts and a Canadian Space Agency astronaut Jeremy Hansen to the surface of the moon.
1: BIM goes on to say that while companies like SpaceX are pushing the boundaries of space travel, agencies like NASA are doing more
8: than just human spaceflight. We're only talking about the human spaceflight side of things as well. NASA as an organization, of course, is legally mandated to do lots of different things beyond human spaceflight. That's robotic space science like we've seen with NASA's new space telescope that is showing us amazing images of the very early universe and lots of different exoplanets yeah. and even some things in our own solar system. SpaceX says that
1: teams will continue to review data and work toward our next flight test. The road and beach near the launch pad are expected to remain closed off through Friday. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com.